this trip. Aye, aye, aye. Um, eventually, I uh, noticed that um, our place was not just for him and me. Oh, it says here, this meeting is being recorded and you can leave now if you don't like it, but I won't do that. Um, I am kind of ill this evening. Uh, uh, I, I was tempted to chicken out and, and leave poor, um, poor Jim holding the bag again, but I thought, no, I shall not. I'll just, I'll just sit there and be ill if that's what I have to do. So, uh, Anyway, so far I'm managing. Uh, so uh, uh, it was um, it was fun and encouraging to notice that what we had called our place uh, belongs to everyone, and that everyone is there. So I'd like to invite. Uh, all of us uh, to um, uh, inhabit our place. And of course, that's what we were just doing a little while ago uh, when we called it Zazen. And, um, and then we uh, did it again and we called it service. And now we're calling it Dharma Talk but it's all our place. So I, I thought we could just um, hang out there for maybe a minute and uh, appreciate this uh, place of meeting that travels with us always. So welcome everyone. It's uh, nice, nice to be here with you. Uh, uh, each of us completely unique and each of us in, um, perfect communion with each other beyond the, you know, the noise. We, uh, we don't have to do anything special to, um, uh, that is, you don't travel to our place. 
that's always with us. So this is you know, a uh, profoundly uh, comforting I hesitate take to use words loaded words like realization, but uh, it um, uh, it's profoundly calming. And maybe especially so in uh, times when, you know, things are a little kind of topsy-turvy feeling. Maybe, uh, I don't know, every talk, maybe not everyone, but almost, I wind up reflecting that most of us are in, in um, a situation that is in some important ways heavenly. Meaning that mostly we're not fighting for our existence every minute. And there are plenty of beings for whom that is their life. And that may not be the, the typical view of heaven but I think it comes closer to the actuality of the heaven realms. Um, uh, maybe uh, we're a little more inclined to think of the heaven realms as sort of a, uh, I don't know, some of you are too young to know what I mean, but sort of a, a woodstock without the mud you know, sort of this floaty and fun <laughs> and and plenty of showers and food and comfortable toilets and stuff. And uh, surely the heaven realms are like that, but the heaven realms are uh, uh, places, if we can use that term, which unlike the other five realms, are not uh, dominated by a single uh, emotional current, emotional and karmic current. And if you if you're familiar with Buddhist cosmology, uh, you know that the each of the six realms has some some characteristic. And uh, for instance, um, the hell realm is uh, kind of dominated by anger. The animal realm, dominated by fear. The hungry ghosts, dominated by hunger. Duh. The, the titan realm, or warring spirits, dominated by jealousy and anger. The heaven realm, characterized by, well, you could say, bliss or ease or lightness. And the human realm has all of them. So this is a special advantage when it comes to practice, that there's not one dominating current 
exerting tremendous karmic force on the beings who have arisen there. So that is, that is pretty special. And I, I often will, will spare a thought and a prayer for many inhabitants of just of the planet Earth who are not in such a realm, but are crushed by one or another weight. I have a, a bit of a weakness for watching animal rescue videos on YouTube. And then and some of those are very uplifting. And then I can't help but think of all the ones who will never be rescued. And how Buddha cares for them too. Wishes them well and prays that their next embodiment will be in a realm where they can encounter the Buddha Dharma. So we may not uh, necessarily think that we are in a heaven realm all the time. And of course we aren't because Buddhist cosmology has room for the understanding that we're actually taking birth and experiencing death in all of the realms, maybe in the course of a single day or an hour, or maybe even in a few moments passing into and out of all of the realms. In addition to where our, I don't know, I don't know, our mailing address or something, which perhaps is in the human realm right now. But we visit all of them. Which means we have the opportunity to embody the Buddha way in all of the realms. And if we, um, I don't know, if we trust that and trust the Buddha way, then our presence there will benefit uh, other beings who are maybe in uh, a situation where there is less movement and less possibility. Not too far from here, my little uh, urban temple is an office of the Social Security Administration. And uh, when you, if you walk in there, the, uh, 
the proximity of the hell realm is very obvious. And the sufferings of beings are tangible. So it's a very hard space to occupy. One may, of course, have no choice. And then to have encountered in our own lives the saving grace of the Buddha way is an incredible gift. I keep thinking of uh, a line from um, the late Leonard Cohen Roshi. His song, The Sisters of Mercy. And there's that line where he says, how's it go? I've been where you're hanging. I think I can see where you're pinned. Uh, when you're not feeling holy, your loneliness says that you sin. That is a marvelous line. And I think points usefully to the nature of sin, which is something that most of us Westerners have grown up with in one way or another. And, um, you know, Often when we were little kids, we were given a list, a rather lengthy list of um, better not do this or this or this. And then there were the explicit ones. And then there were the implicit ones, which you didn't really usually find out about until you transgressed it and someone smacked you. And all you could do was think, but I didn't know. Yeah, well, now you do. So our loneliness can tell us about sin, which is a kind of alienation. Having just temporarily forgotten the way home, the way to uh, 
our place. And the inevitable result of that is loneliness. So that's much closer to the heart of sin in a way that I think is maybe a lot more useful for us. To be alienated is to be in a state of sin. And sometimes there's an alternative, which is feeling holy. And that can be quite genuine. Why? Because all of us are holy. In a, in a fundamental and critically important sense. It would be too much to go through the day burdened with that notion. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm holy. I hope everyone appreciates how holy I am. That would be a pain. But the, you know, the holy being who sits Zazen is unaffected by that nonsense. All of the uh, beings in our place are holy. And if instead, you know, we're feeling lonely in a, you know, a kind of uh, pathological way. There's nothing wrong with being you know, a bit lonely, a bit solitary. That can be quite beautiful, actually. But the loneliness that is um, you know, feels like somehow we're bleeding, we're losing blood. When we have that experience, it might be good to see where, where is my alienation? What, what happened that I forgot the way home? The, the way to Sesame Street <laughs> or, or our, our place. How did I, how did I forget? How did I get on some wrong path? Well, maybe I'll just be still a moment. And realize in the midst of what's happening that I, I never left our place. It can't be left.
then that um, uh, innate, I guess I could use that word, holiness is there and available to others. I guess innate is an okay word. Yeah, uh, born with. Uh, a, a holiness that, that we don't need to be conscious of. Don't need to try to cultivate deliberately. But to allow ourselves the space to be in the midst of. Not, not to have a life that's so busy and noisy that we don't have times or at least moments where we can be completely at home. Someone might say, but wait, isn't, you know, uh, aren't, aren't we Buddhists home leavers? Yes, but that's small age home. The home you can deliberately put together the way you like. That's all right. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not the home we're talking about. We're talking about the home you never left or will leave. One, one tricky thing I thought I might do was um, maybe I'd just talk for a couple of minutes and then see if I could coax people into asking questions. Or, or making comments. Even at the risk of being accused of uh, just running out the clock in some stagey fashion. Hi, uh, Reverend Mio. Thank you. Could you could you kind of elaborate on what you meant by people fighting for their existence? Oh, uh, is that Will? Yes. Uh, uh, thanks, Will. Uh, I meant pretty much literally that just to stay alive is 
has to be the ongoing focus of their activity because they have no food or space or safety or clothing. And it's far more common, I think, than is easily visible from where we are. And it's even more frantic in the non-human realm. Something like that, anyway. Do you see the hands raised to Jim Hare and Sarah O'Gara? I can if I slide the view window back and forth. So... If I miss somebody, just uh, just sing sing out. Oh, hi, Mio. This is Jim. Hi, Jim. Um, yeah, uh, I, I was intrigued by your story you told uh, at the beginning of sitting in with your teacher, um, and I've I was once sitting with that same teacher, and um, I came in and I said. Why can't we always be like this? And he said, we can. It seems like a same, like a kind of uh, feeling there in the room. And, um, Uh and, but, but I also, I also recognize that, um, it was kind of a special circumstance mm-hmm. of um, meeting and and recognizing um, something just palpably shared um, without really saying what it was particularly or you know carrying on about it. But um, but 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 then I also you know what. What motivated me to start practicing was not because I recognized such a place and just wanted, you know, to go there, but it was more like um, that wasn't my experience at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that wasn't my experience. My my experience was more like I'm, you know, I don't, I don't, I had a hard time. Um, uh, connecting, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and feeling like there was uh, there was something um, that we shared and that we both knew it, you mm-hmm. know, or that we all knew it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's you know why we love to practice because when we come together in um, our, our, our sitting, our formal practice and our ceremonies and our service and so forth. Um, at some point, um, it really develops a feeling that we've, we've landed in our place and it's, and it's, it's palpable. Mm -hmm. And that changes things. Wouldn't you say? That changes things. Yes. And that, Mm -hmm. that, um, But it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't cure the whole situation. <laughs> right. 
right? Well, uh, I, I know what you mean, but I think you could also say, actually, it does, uh-huh. which is kind of frustrating in a way. But I certainly, I certainly know what you mean. Um, and it's kind of a, a, a joyful thing that subsequent to that um, uh, aware inhabiting of that place, our place, things are different. And Mr. Suzuki, as you said, you know, it's only a little bit. But, but boy, does that make a difference, that little bit. And that is one way to talk about the magic of practice. Thank you. Thank you. Sarah, did you mean to not have your hand Reverend up? Mio. Evening, Reverend Mio. I actually have two uh, observations and questions, and they're one's um, sort of academic, and the other is just as an observation. I'd never really thought before about the multiple realms as a human mm-hmm. that that all of those realms existed. And I was just, as you were talking, I was just really pondering the the, the idea that this moving back and forth between those different states. And that is so true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, we go from, you know, jealousy to hatred to, to grasping to greed to this place where we can just sit and, and, and be peaceful in, in this bliss. And then you slip back again, as Leonard Cohen said, <laughs> into that loneliness. But it's that, it's that moving, even if just for a moment, into that state of, of, of bliss or repose or home that makes you, when you slip back, not want to stay there mm-hmm. in the in the hell realm. And, and that's a beautiful analogy. I'd never really thought about that before. And thank you so much. It's um, um, it explains explains uh, practice. It's, mm-hmm. it's like the incentive to practice mm-hmm. uh, when when things get. Uh, tough or you're tired and you don't want to and mm-hmm. but then there's that memory that brings you back mm-hmm. to that that state of repose so I really appreciate that um, my, my other question is really sort of an academic one where did this cosmology this Buddhist cosmology that you were talking about come from is this from mm-hmm. India from from uh, Hinduism mm-hmm. primarily yeah, it's uh, uh, it, you know it's been developing a long time, but aspects of it are pre-Hindu. So this is going way way back, before the Common Era, um, in the Indian subcontinent, and I couldn't uh, speak very knowledgeably about the beginnings of that cosmology, uh, uh, beyond saying that it is very old. And of course, uh, every people who are native to this earth have a story about how things are set up and where they came from and so on and so forth. Uh, uh, And uh, the Buddhist one strikes some people as too fanciful. Uh, Many Westerners find it just too fanciful. Uh, so that's okay. They can they can like another one better, and that will be all right. 
but having grown up more or less with the Buddhist one, I'm, I'm more or less comfortable with it. And especially, uh, I don't remember when I first heard the teaching that actually we uh, go in and out of those realms all the time. We're not just fixed in the hel- in the human realm until we drop this body. That's another aspect of it. But basically, we travel through the the intermediate state, the bardo state, into and out of these realms all the time. And that was quite an eye opener when I heard that teaching, and saw it to be seemingly true, or accurate, maybe. Thank you for sharing that. It was it was a, a, an a awakening for me too to hear that. I appreciate. Todd has his hand up. Todd San. Hi, Neil San. Uh, thank you for your talk. I was just wondering what home, what this home means to you. And first, um, let me share what it kind of means to me. I think of a time <clears throat> when I was single, living alone. And um, often felt lonely when I wasn't busy um, doing something in the evenings with friends. If I were home alone, I would feel um, quite lonely. And I came, before I came to practice, to some place where um, I just let go of needing to be doing something, you know, kind of letting go of... um, this idea that I had to be doing something. And that felt very peaceful to me and very much um, just kind of like, Oh, this is, this is Todd. You know, this is, this is me being me. Um, And in practice, it feels like Zazen. Um, So I was just curious, what, what is it? what, What do you mean by home precisely when you say that for yourself? Well, it's not precise at all. It's uh, it has no easily registered boundaries, and mm. it is, you know, somebody said, it's that. Um, uh, what do they say? It's uh, a circumference where the center is everywhere and the edges are nowhere. Mm. Therefore, everyone is in it. Everything is in it. And does that mean there's necessarily a particular affective quality? Like, does it, do I always feel peaceful and at home? No. Sometimes I feel rattled and at home or afraid and at home. And yet the sense of being at rest is still there, which is, you know, sounds like gobbledygook. I understand, but (laughs) that's about as close as I can get. I think. 
When you first started speaking, I thought you were talking about, I know you don't like the word, but realization. And yeah, I shy away from that. You know, it's just, it's so, but it's, but, uh-huh. but that doesn't sound, but you also sound like it's a difficult experience, can be. Well, um, I, you know, I definitely do not say there is no realization, but I notice that when I start to talk about it, it starts to get sticky. So I try to look for vocabulary that doesn't have quite so much voltage. And over time, especially in Zen, realization has acquired a lot of voltage. And, and then people start to maybe they think that they don't have any and, and, and they wish they did. And they're, then they're unhappy. And then they think that person over there does. And now I want their life. You know, and it's like, boy, it'd be great just to drop that. And this is the sense of Dogen's, you know, beating to death this notion that practice, verification, not to. This is why he says that over and over again. Just so mm. people won't get in that stuck in that corner. They think, oh, realization's over there. I got to get over there now. Yeah, well, over there is over here. That's our practice in a nutshell. Yeah, thank you. Larry. Larry Son. Thank, thank you so much for your talk. And uh, I, I really appreciated that last dialogue between you and and Todd, and uh, makes me almost hesitant to even bring up what I, because I, I think my uh, comment and is 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 tinted with, um, well, how else do I communicate except through words? But oh, they see, go ahead, somewhat, somewhat insufficient after listening to that last uh, dialogue. But um, I think you and I come from such different backgrounds in the sense that. Uh, as I understand it, you you had quite a religious background as a young person, and I, I grew up uh, a, a, as an atheist. And so, it, when I hear you use words such as holy, uh, you know, I, I kind of it makes me feel a certain way. But I but I will say that that was the most acceptable use of talking about holiness that I have ever heard. It's, yeah. It's it's closest to what I can, I I, I, I have some comfort level with it, and it, 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 you know without getting stuck in the words. For, for me, if I were to say, well, what is how does how did that reach me? I can only say from from an experiential standpoint. I I, I feel like if you were to say it's so ordinary that it's special. 
that kind of approach is what the word holy uh, feels like for me in my practice. Well, well, thank you. You said it, so I didn't have to. Yeah. Let's see. Can I go back to bed now, or are there more waving, waving hands? <laughs> Linda has her hand raised. Oh, Linda, please. Linda San. Thank you, Mio San. Um, when you were talking to, um, to Todd, the phrase that came up for me was, isn't um, home a state of mind? And then I thought, it's a state of one mind and that felt that felt <laughs> that felt good to me mm-hmm. <laughs> felt true to me of course then the song new york state of mind <laughs> came in and interrupted that thought but mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah um and i think i think for a lot of people for me and for a lot of people the easiest way to access that is in nature. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and I can, I can remember so many times just, you know, sitting at night camping or something and looking up at the sky and, and so many people have, will say in a situation like that um, makes me feel so small. <laughs> hmm. And I never had that experience. I, for me, those times made me feel so connected. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why when I'm really feeling down, I love to go into the redwoods. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of uh, Suzuki Roshi's finest and most succinct teachings are in these little throwaway remarks that he would make. And of course, one of them is nature is the true teacher of Zen. Mm. Yeah. And that's in some ways a very Japanese thing, but it also reflects our practice. And the Japanese have a word for forest bathing. I can't remember what it is. <laughs> that boy, that sound, yeah, that sounds very Japanese. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we can all do that. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe one more, anybody? All, all is peace. Or is that Richard? Does Richard have a question? Sure, go ahead. Richard's yeah. on. <laughs> I wanted to ask, um, I, um, just like Sarah, I love the descriptions between the realms. And I don't know where I've heard that from. Or your your description of going in between the realms and the uh, I was uh, wondering, um, you know, other than sitting in practice, um, you know, what do you do when you find yourself stuck in one of the the realms? Hmm. Um, you know, uh, but you're, I guess, you know, if if you're so lucky to be aware that you are there, in fact, and <laughs> not thinking you're you're still stuck in the human realm. Yeah. Uh... Well, if you are aware, as you say, then you're not actually stuck. So that's 
important. Uh, and in fact, um, uh, the sense of being stuck in these realms is part of the obscuring or obstructing karma of the situation. Because mm -hmm. in fact, we aren't stuck. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, this notion of the uh, Sanskrit, uh, they call the antarabhava, or in Tibetan, the bardo, the in-between state, Mm -hmm. Our our uh, every moment of our life is is uh, full of these transitional points, mm -hmm. moving from one to the other. So we're in constant motion. Mm -hmm. And as I say, even though our maybe our mailing address is in the human realm, mm -hmm. we're constantly in transition mm -hmm. and moving into and out of all of these other realms. So. Uh, Visiting these other realms when we find ourselves in one or another such place uh, as a person of the way, um, uh, part of what's marvelous is, is bringing with us this sense that we aren't stuck anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that as a conscious thought. I mean something that's kind of lives in our body mind as, as true and when that's the case, other people pick up on that. Not consciously. You don't have to say anything. It's just uh, you can bring that into a room with you without doing anything on your part to make it happen. And other people will sometimes, they'll just feel better. Hmm. With this sense that, oh, actually, we're not stuck. That's not how it works to bring that sense with us can be tremendously helpful. And part of the teaching of Zazen is in fact that we're not stuck. It actually makes that visible in a sense. Yes, thank you. That's what I say tonight anyway. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for elaborating on that. Sure. Well, maybe it's time to pull the plug for now. And uh, let Zoom go back to sleep for a while. <laughs> um, thank you all for inviting me to share this space with you. Mm -hmm.